Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 64 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guest today is without a doubt one of the most exciting performers in the sport, and he just might be the next Ring of Honor world champion. He is Bandito. Bandito, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm fantastic, and uh, this is going to be a new uh, experience for me today. This is my first podcast where we will actually have a translator uh, to help us out. Bandito's English is is very good, but just to make him feel oh, <laughs> just a little bit, yeah, yeah, just a little bit. It's, it's pretty good. I, I've heard you on interview; you're pretty good. But just to make you feel more comfortable, we have our Spanish commentator, Rich Lebesno here, who will be translating uh, when necessary. Rich, I'd like to also welcome you to the show. Thanks so much. Super excited to be here and, um, you know, pleasure to take part with you guys and uh, help Bandito out, get his message across. Well, it's, it's, I, I'll tell you what, I'm glad you're here. It makes me more comfortable because, um, you know, I took three years of Spanish in school and uh, I think the <laughs> only thing I can say in Spanish is como esta usted. Cool. <laughs> hey, that's, that's, that's pretty good. good that's the only yeah. thing I learned. So, uh, yeah. hey guys, como esta usted. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Pretty good in Spanish, uh, Spanish, amigo. Yeah, yeah, muy, muy bien, muy bien. Muy maybe bien. Today I'm, I'm así, así. I don't know. We'll see. How <laughs> uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you, Bandito. We're talking about um, Spanish language. I hear guys like Roosh and uh, you know Alberto Del Rio all the time. They use the word perro as an insult, which means dog. Is that like is that like a big thing in Mexico to call someone perro? Oh, yeah, we use like a. Perro for a lot of things, you know. Perro is like a bad guy. Perro is like a dog. Perro is like a, when you are angry. So in Mexico, we use perro for a lot of things, amigo. I see. Well, I've heard Roosh refer to you as perro a few times. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to Roosh in a second. Um, first of all, Bandita, I want to say congratulations because uh, you won Survival of the Fittest, and that means you will now face Roosh for the Ring of Honor World Championship at the Best in the World pay-per-view. That's coming up. It's only six days away, uh, this Sunday, July 11th, in Baltimore. Uh, but actually, let me let me ask you this, too. Let me go back to Survival of the Fittest again before we get to Roosh. What's going on with, uh, with Flamita? Because we saw what happened. I mean, we know there's been bad blood between the two of you. Obviously, that's an understatement. And then we saw what he did uh, to you in Survival of the Fittest, where after you eliminated him, he attacked you, and, and it looked like you might not be able to come back into the match. So, uh, what is what is going on with Flamita? I mean, it seemed like you guys were friends for so long. You had been in friends in Mexa Blood, Mexa Squad. What, what's his deal? I don't know what happened with him. He he. Can I say it in Spanish? Yeah. Sure. Uh, él eh, en un momento cambió su actitud conmigo entonces eh, es algo como muy muy raro porque éramos muy buenos amigos y de, de pronto empezó a ser como un poco envidioso ¿sabes? So essentially what Benito is saying here is that Flamita and him they had a great relationship and then just one moment the attitude just shifted out of nowhere and Flamita really changed his attitude and he, and he thinks he attributes some of it to being a little bit jealous. Like he, he was jealous of, of Bandito's success. I could see that. I, I, I think that could be the, the root of the problem. And it did seem to come out of nowhere. You guys were six man tag team champs. And then, uh, and all of a sudden it's just like, um, Flamita was not on the same page with you and Ray Oris. Uh, but, that survival of the fittest match, uh, it came down to you and Eli Isom. And um, I think as, as great of a moment as this was for you, Bandito, obviously winning it and coming back from uh, an injury, uh, you know, you had a, a bad shoulder and arm from the attack from uh, Demonic Flamita. 
Uh, also a good moment for, for Eli, because I think he has a great future in this company. Can you just talk to me about that, that final sequence of, of you and Eli really kind of going at it? Yeah, for me, it's a uh, very difficult moment because, uh, you know, Flamita attacked uh, my, my arm and it so hurt a lot uh, in that moment. So uh, I, I want to I, I wanna take that moment for, for win my opportunity. And I put my heart, I put my heart, I put all my love to, to this business and, and this is the result. Eli is a awesome wrestler, and I think the same than you. He he has like a good good future, and so in this moment, I think this is my moment, and uh, estoy preparándome para estar al 100% contra Rus. So you know he he realizes that in the moment, like he needed to take it for his moment, and because of that, he is a hundred percent ready to take Rush on the best in the world. Well, let's talk about Roosh and, and Best in the World, because this, um, according to my research, you've only faced Roosh one other time, and that was at the uh, 17th anniversary show uh, a couple years ago, which at the yeah. time was really considered a dream match because you guys were both undefeated uh, in Ring of Honor at that point. Uh, Roosh yeah. won that match. Uh, do you have any memories uh, that stand out of, of that match when you, when you faced Roosh for the first time? Yes, yes, I have a lot of memories, and the most important memory is when he comes to uh, take a match versus me. I have like, uh, una, tengo, tenía una racha de no perder ningún, ningún match in Ring of Honor. So the thing is, uh, before that, uh, you know, he, Bandito was also undefeated going into their match. So it, it was something that he carries in knowing that at the end of the day, they, they were both going into that match undefeated and only one of them walked away. And he won't forget that that person who walked away, the winner, was Rouge. Ahora, in, in this time, no va a pasar lo mismo. No va a pasar lo mismo porque me estoy preparando. Quiero tener mi preparación al mil por ciento y demostrarle que en esta, en esta ocasión vengo con todo. And this time, he feels like he is 1,000% ready for it. He's not going to be surprised by anything, and he's going to take the most of his opportunity coming up at the pay-per-view. Bandito, I know that you've been a champion in other promotions. Uh, the Crash in Mexico, uh, Pro Wrestling Gorilla, PWG. Yes. Can, you put in, can you put into words what would it mean to you to become the Ring of Honor World Champion at Best in the World? Híjole, olvídate, creo que sería un, un hecho histórico para el wrestling en Estados Unidos. Sería el primer campeón de PWG, el primer campeón en México con The Crash y el primer campeón en Ring of Honor, que es lo que he estado buscando desde que llegué a la empresa. I forget about it. It would be uh, it would just be absolutely amazing to be able to call himself the Crash Champion, the PWG Champion, and the ROH Champion all at one time. And it it would further put Mexico on the map and put his name on the map as well. Well, I know that uh, you've only, as we said, you've only faced Roosh that one other time. But his brother Dragon Lee is a guy you've been in the ring uh, many times, and uh, I know you've also teamed with him uh, on occasion. Are there any, do you see any similarities between Roosh and Dragon Lee as far as their styles go? Or are they two completely different performers? Yeah, I think they, they are completely different. Uh, but I'm studying now, I'm studying uh, the moves for Roosh, I'm studying the, all the things about him. And I'm going to prepare like uh, very hard for him. Well, I think it might be good also because, uh, you know, we've seen Roosh with La Faccione and Gobernable. We've seen that Roosh uh, isn't hesitant to have some of his faction mates get involved in his matches. So is that something that you're thinking about that you're going to sort of need to have eyes in the back of your head and maybe somebody watching your back? Lo sé. Espero que en ese momento Roosh tenga su palabra de hombre y como mexicano que podamos estar solos él y yo arriba del cuadrilátero esa noche. Uh, he expects that Rush is going to be a man of his word in this situation. 
And as two proud Mexicans, uh, he will accept that. It's just one-on-one, mano-a-mano, and there will be no outside interference on Roosh's behalf. Well, I think that's, uh, man, that's what we'd love to see is just a great match between you and Roosh. Obviously, you guys will tear the house down, and I think uh, that's what the fans are hoping for is to see one-on-one, man-on-man, and let's see who who the better man is. I have a feeling that you're going to have a lot of uh, crowd support. I think you're going to be the big fan favorite for sure in Baltimore. Uh, I want to ask you about another big match that you had here uh, for Ring of Honor which was a yep. G1, G1 super card when uh, you were in the ring against a uh, Dragon Lee, Bruce's brother, and also Ishimori, Taji Ishimori uh, from New Japan Pro Wrestling. It was for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. What was that like for you to wrestle in Madison Square Garden? I mean, when, when you were growing up in Mexico, were you aware of like how big of a deal Madison Square Garden in the United States was? Was that um, a goal maybe to one day be there? I was very nervous in that moment, but uh, uh, I enjoy a lot uh, that day because my family is with me. And uh, oh my God, Mike in Square Garden, I'm the first Mexican uh, outside to the other company uh, taking match in in, in WWE. Uh, sorry, in in Madison Square Garden. Oh my God. That is amazing for, for my career and for, for me. Eh, es algo increíble. Es, es un momento que tengo guardado en mi memoria. Y creo que de ahí fue un, un parteaguas, un, un momento que cambió mi vida. Uh, he says that he really believes that, first of all, it's a memory that he's going to treasure forever and cherish. Um, just being able to represent uh, everything that it means for him as an individual, as as also as a, as a Mexican, and um, but he also felt like it was a, a watershed moment for him, where it just really busted down the doors and and kind of made people take notice of of who he is. Yeah, I would say no question about that. And uh, Bandito, you brought up a great point that other than Mexican wrestlers who have appeared on WWE shows, because obviously. WWE had the exclusive lock on Madison Square Garden. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, it just wasn't really even a possibility for a luchador to, to appear in Madison Square Garden unless he was contracted to WWE or was, uh, you know, someone like Mil Mascaris back in the day who, who they would bring in. So uh, that is a huge that, – that had to be huge for you. I can understand that. Um, another big match I want to talk to you about that you had in Ring of Honor was when – in happier days, when you and uh, Flamita, and he wasn't demonic, demonic at that point, you and Flamita and Ray Orris as Mexa Squad won the six-man tag team championships in Atlanta. Um, I want to ask you what your memories are of that match because I just remember the fans there were so hot for Mexa Squad. And, man, when you guys won, it almost sounded like Arena Mexico. I mean, the air horns were going – I, there were Mexican flags, uh, people in the crowd holding up Mexican flags, and they were throwing money at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were, were you surprised by, by how overwhelming that reaction was? Sí, estaba definitivamente estaba muy sorprendido desde antes del evento porque yo escuchaba mucho ruido en las arenas, en la, en la arena de Atlanta. Entonces, era como estar en México. He said that he was very excited. You know, as the match was going on, he could kind of feel the fever pitch and he could hear the chants and he could see the flag. And it really made him feel like he was wrestling in, in an arena in Mexico. Uh, just kind of the, the, the vibe, the, the way the crowd was going. And then definitely uh, when they won the titles, the, the celebration that ensued and then the way the fans were embracing them, uh, it really made him feel like he was back home. Así es. Y cuando salimos, cuando empezamos la lucha, creo que... Fue el, el público, las banderas, fue un factor importante para ganar ese, ese título, los, los, los campeonatos, porque fue algo increíble. Créeme que esa noche las personas que estuvieron en Atlanta, esa noche la, la tienen tan, tan guardada los, los fanáticos como nosotros los, los luchadores. And he says that one of the things, one of the factors that really kind of pushed them and willed them on to, to win that match was seeing that kind of 
uh, that support of the of the public and and having them with with the Mexican flags and the the chants that are specific to Mexico really kind of drove them and, and willed them on to to win that championship there. Yeah, that was a great moment, no doubt about it. And uh, who knows? Maybe in six days in Baltimore, at best in the world, uh, a moment who that can perhaps top that if you if you win the Ring of Honor World Championship from Roosh. I got to ask you, though, when, uh, when the fans were throwing the money in the ring in Atlanta, uh, did you guys split it three ways, or did, uh, did Flamita try to, try to take your share and Ray Horace's share? Uh, Rich, can you help me with that question? Sí, él quería saber que cuando estaban tirando las monedas, si, uh -huh. si ustedes cogieron el dinero igualmente, o si Flamita trató de coger todo el dinero. No. En ese momento todo era tranquilidad. En ese momento eh, Flamita creo que estaba tan feliz como yo, disfrutando el momento. Y claro que sí, nos fuimos por partes iguales, todo el dinero nos lo repartimos igual. Y pues estábamos muy emocionados los tres. In that moment, Flamita was still a happy-go-lucky Flamita. So he was just so excited to win the title with his, with his friends that they equally split the share happily, and uh, they were just kind of celebrating and, and, and enjoying each other that night. Yes, yes. A much, a much different Flamita back then. Yeah, too much. Yeah, yeah. Much different for sure. Uh, Bandito, for those of our, our fans listening who may not be familiar with Mexican wrestling and um, and the traditions and such. Can you just explain where that comes from, throwing money into the ring? Bueno, eso viene de de las arenas pequeñas de aquí de, de México, las donde este que no son muy conocidas. Es como un premio para para los luchadores cuando hacen una lucha muy buena, cuando disfrutan la lucha la fanaticada es la manera en que el público paga o los premia más bien, los premia, premia su trabajo y su esfuerzo arriba del ring. Como cuando a un torero le dan eh, oreja y rabo, aquí en, el, en la lucha libre es este, aventar dinero a, al, al ring es lo máximo. So basically in these smaller independent venues that, you know, aren't really on the map and not a, people, a, lot of, a lot of people go to these shows, one way that the, the fans kind of show their appreciation, how much they value the wrestlers is by literally compensating them with money uh, to show that they've done a fantastic job and knowing how hard they work and that they deserve a little bit extra for that match because, you know, everybody's getting paid, let's say a certain amount, but yeah, the fans here are recognizing these guys went above and beyond and they really deserve to be recognized that way. Well, as you okay. know, the tradition, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, lo, lo más increíble que me ha pasado a mí es que esa tradición se ha pasado de frontera en frontera que he logrado que la gente aviente dinero hasta en, en Alemania. El público de Alemania me premió con dinero cuando estuve por allá y bueno, también en, en Ring of Honor en Atlanta. And he says what's really incredible is that, you know, this being such a kind of a Mexican specific thing, uh, he's traveled to different places in Ring of Honor. He's even gone to Germany and had the fans react in a similar way. So he just, I think, is really grateful to see that fans are in, in other areas where this is not commonplace, celebrating him in the same way that he is celebrating in his homeland. Yeah, as you know, I think um, you've probably seen this happen in your matches, uh, Bandito, is that the fans in Ring of Honor like to throw streamers to show their appreciation. So, uh, but I tell you what, if I was a, a wrestler, I'd say... Uh, Throw the money. Give me the dinero and hold the streamers. Give <laughs> me the dinero. Yeah. Did I say that correctly? Dinero? Yeah. All good. All good. Perfect. I solo estaba preguntando si lo dijo correctamente. Yeah, no, your pronunciation is fantastic, Kevin. Oh, okay. And those, those three years of Spanish might be paying off after all. <laughs> all right well maybe not all right well we're going to take our first break here and then we'll be back with more with potentially the next ring of honor world champion bandito someday july 11th ring of honor wrestling presents best in the world live on pay-per-view see roh athletes such as the briscoe brothers bandito the foundation La Faccion Ingobernable, Violence Unlimited, and many more. World-class competitors will show why they are the absolute best. Championships will be defended, and legacies will be defined. 
Find out why honor has always been real. Sunday, July 11th. It's best in the world live on pay-per-view. All right, we are back on the RRH Strong podcast with Bandito, our Spanish commentator, Rich Lebesno, helping us out with translation. Uh, Bandito, I want to go back to uh, your background, your origins, uh, basically. Yeah. Um, do you come from a wrestling family? You, you do have family members who were in the business, correct? No, I don't have family. I don't have a like a grandpa or my father. My father, no. Uh, I have just like a cousin, and now my brother comes to, to wrestling world. Okay, your cousin. Uh, he started off as your tag team partner, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Is he still wrestling? Yeah, yeah. He's still wrestling in, in the female uh, level. Okay. Now, at what age uh, did you begin training for pro wrestling? Oh, I was, uh, I think, 14 years. I started training wrestling. Yeah, when I was 14. And then uh, I trained one year hard. And my debut is in uh, is 15 years. And that is crazy because I take my first match in the jail, you know, in some jail in my hometown. Your first match was in a jail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the Father's Day, yeah. Somebody invited me, and we take the match in, in the jail. Yeah. Wow. That must have been a kind of a different type of experience, wrestling. Yeah. Did, well, I guess they weren't probably throwing money at that, in that match. Huh? <laughs> no. No, it's not, not a lot of uh, <laughs> options for that. Right. Now, I heard that um, in Mexico, you know, here in the United States, sometimes guys work double shots, right? Where you'll get two bookings in the same day. But in Mexico, you can work as many as like four matches at four different shows in a day. Is that, is that right? Yeah, is that, is that correct. So, I mean, is that something that you did a lot, working like three, four shows in a single day? Yeah. After, uh, after Madison Square Garden, uh, I talk uh, in my hometown, like, I think five matches in a day. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. And so what yeah. you guys, all the shows are within driving distance, right? It's just do one match, drive to the next show, do a match, drive to the next show, right? Yeah. yeah. In, in my hometown, the, we have, like, a lot of arenas for the uh, Lucha Libre, you know? So maybe the son, uh, only the Sunday is six arenas and they are they do the the, the same uh, same time a lot of shows you know wow okay yeah um now did you have uh or what was your athletic background did you play any other sports or anything like that before you got into wrestling yeah i love play but soccer antes de, de empezar a entrenar lucha libre yo entrenaba para ser futbolista profesional Pero después llegó el amor a la lucha y ya hasta este momento nadie me lo ha sacado de mi cabeza. So he, he started training, he really wanted to be a, a soccer player and that was his ultimate dream. But then when he met wrestling, he fell in love. And uh, since that day, he hasn't looked back and no one else can convince him to, uh, to stop training for, for wrestling and to go back to soccer. Yes, I, I would hope not. Uh, what do they call soccer? The, what is it? The most beautiful game, but uh, yeah, I think wrestling fans would be pretty upset if you were to leave pro wrestling at this point and, uh, and go back into uh, football or soccer, as we call it uh, here in America. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you this, because I think one of the things that really impresses fans about you um, is your strength. I think it's fair to say that pound for pound, you might be the strongest guy in Ring of Honor. Now, you're not the biggest guy. But you're pretty, pretty unbelievable. Were you always, were you always strong for your size, like growing up, or is that something that just developed later when you dedicated yourself to training? Siempre desde pequeño, eh, no sé, estaba muy pequeñito. Yo era demasiado corto, pero tenía mucha fuerza. Yo podía cargar a, a mis compañeros muchísimo más grandes que yo. Entonces eh, empecé a desarrollar. Este, Mi fuerza, empecé a ponerle entrenamiento y creo que pues hasta el momento lo he, lo he logrado y he desarrollado una fuerza que para mi tamaño es, eh, pues no sé, in, irreconocible tal vez. 
So one of the things that he said is that growing up, uh, he was always short and he was shorter than his friends, but he was kind of ant-like and that he was able to really like pick them up easily. And when he started wrestling, he noticed that he had this propensity for that. And something that kind of, when you look at him with, through the naked eye, you wouldn't assume, but he kept training in that way to develop that strength. And it's a tool in his box that, you know, when you step into the ring with him, you don't really assume that he's going to be like that, but he can kind of flip the switch on you. Yeah, no question about it. I think when we see, uh, and maybe we're stereotyping a little bit here, but I think we're used to seeing luchadors do all these great high-flying maneuvers, and they obviously have incredible agility and all those things, which you have all of those qualities. But we don't expect to see you, you know, pressing Shane Taylor, a man his size, over <laughs> the head, or, or doing the, you know, stacking two guys up uh, when you're on, on the top rope and, and doing a, you know, moonsault, uh, yeah, yeah. Lamb. I mean, it really is. It really is something that that. Uh, what? Yeah, amazing, amigo. You do your homework, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Let me ask you about uh, again your early training. I know one of your early trainers was uh, the legendary Ultimo Guerrero, and that's a name that uh, even if our fans who aren't you know necessarily into the Mexican wrestling scene, they know Ultimo Guerrero because he has done a lot with Ring of Honor. Uh, the partnership we had in the past with CMLL, he would come to Ring of Honor shows, our talent would go over there. He had a bunch of great matches with Matt Taven back in the day. Uh, tell me about what it was like training with uh, such a legendary figure. Híjole, es demasiado difícil. Es muy difícil, muy pesado un entrenamiento con Último Guerrero. Y creo que en el transcurso de cuando yo estaba entrenando con él, así como llegaban luchadores, se iban porque bajaban del ring vomitando, bajaban con la presión baja, entonces era es algo que que no cualquiera puede aguantar. So he says that it was very difficult to train under Ultimate Guerrero and it was a rewarding experience, but every day he would watch uh, wrestlers come in and they were dropping like flies, they were vomiting everywhere, their their blood pressure was low, they just couldn't handle the rigorous training. So uh, you know, he he counts himself lucky to be able to have survived that and kind of showed uh, a bit of his fortitude there. Now, Bandito, I heard you say in a different interview that, and correct me if I, if I have this incorrectly, but did Ultimo Guerrero at one point tell you that he thought you were too small for wrestling or he didn't uh, see big plans for you uh, in his promotion going forward? Is, is that accurate? Uh... Rich, can you help me? Él quiere saber que si había una vez que Último Guerrero te dijo que eras, eh, eras como bastante pequeño o que ten, no tenías un futuro en la lucha libre. Uh, okay, oh my God, this is top secret, okay? <laughs> yeah, um, he told me uh, you are like a very, very tall for a mini luchador. I'm very short for a normal luchador. He said, you, you have a, a lot of problems because your altura no te ayuda mucho. So he said basically like his, his height wasn't going to help him because he was in kind of this in-between space where he uh, wasn't going to work as a mini because he was too large, but because of his, his frame, uh, because he was a little taller than them, uh, you know, this is the first time for him that he actually, that he wasn't being told he was too short. Now he's too tall and too maybe wiry to really fit in with the heavyweights. Okay. So when you, when you heard that, I mean, from a guy who trained you and obviously a guy who has this legendary status, uh, how did that affect you? I mean, what, what was your mindset at that point? Creo que si lo hubiera tomado como él me lo dijo, tal vez no estuviera aquí. Sus palabras en ese momento me ayudaron, me motivaron a salir adelante y a esforzarme día con día porque todos los días entrenábamos. Entonces, yo con, cuando él me decía ese tipo de cosas, yo me bajaba a entrenar, me ponía a hacer pesas, me ponía a... me subía al ring porque yo, yo vivía en el gimnasio de él. Entonces, todas las palabras que él me decía que eran como desalentadoras, yo las utilizaba para seguir motivándome. Si no, entonces, tal vez no estuviera aquí. So essentially, he feels that those words were a motivating factor for him and he attributes his, some of his success to that because 
He continued to, whenever he heard any of this feedback that he you know, wasn't the greatest, he was going to the gym. He was working out as much as he could. He was actually living in the gym. So whenever he had a free moment, he'd be getting into the ring and working on, on different moves and, and new finishers and things like that. And he just kind of always hung out to that as a motivating factor. And if it hadn't been for that, he doesn't think that he would be where he is today. Wow. So Ultimo Guerrero uh, inadvertently did you a favor then by, by sort of lighting a fire under you um, to be where you are today. So that's, that's interesting. Now, and yeah. another interesting thing is I know that years later, uh, you got to wrestle, uh, and I guess, and also team with Ultimo Guerrero. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What was that like at that point? Were you like, hey, I proved you wrong? <laughs> or how did that go when you, when you guys were back together? <laughs> nunca, nunca me ha dicho algo, este, algo motivador hasta hace, hace poco, hace unos, unos meses, semanas, tal vez. Pero creo que, pues ahora sí que to, sobre todo el pronóstico que él tenía, pues las, los hechos marcaron la diferencia, ¿no? Porque él, él este, me decía que no, no podía y yo le demostraba con hechos que sí se podía hacer. Entonces, creo que él también se sorprendió de, de tantas cosas que he logrado en tan poco tiempo. Well, I think uh, Bendito is a little humble here. So he, he's too humble to have, have said anything to Ultimo in that moment. But that uh, he said that in, in recent weeks and months, he's actually heard a lot of uh, great feedback from his mentor, but that he, uh, you know, he just kind of quietly uh, was there enjoying the moment and let his actions and his uh, achievements speak for themselves instead of kind of rubbing his nose in it. Right. Well, that makes sense. That's, that's probably the, uh, the way to go in a situation like that. Uh, one thing I, I want to bring up something I saw in a documentary and I don't, Bandito, I don't know if you're familiar with David Arquette, American actor who's also done some wrestling, but he made a documentary called You Cannot Kill David Arquette. And one of the things he did was he went to Mexico uh, to learn Lucha Libre. And there's a scene in the, in the documentary where he does street wrestling. And I was just, this was like something I had never seen before. Guys literally wrestling on the street in front of a crowd. Is that something that you ever did during your early days of training? Sí, yo lo hice muchas veces. Yo, yo lo, está preguntando que si lo hice, Rich. Sí. Sí, sí, quería saber si, si, te, si luchaste en la calle, es como Ajá. estaba en este documentario. Ajá, yo lo hice muchas veces y, y eh, la gente, cuando llegas aquí a México como luchador, pues es, es como una, tú tienes que empezar desde ceros. Tienes que empezar luchando en mercados, en la calle, afuera de los este, autolavados, en todo ese tipo de cosas. Entonces, a mí no me pagaban, no me pagaban porque no había dinero en esos eventos. Lo único que me daban era mi comida y ese era mi pago. Y recuerdo mucho porque siempre me pagaban con chicharrón en salsa verde que realmente ahora no me gusta para nada. Uh, so he totally did uh, take part in this. Uh, he said that it was, you know, whether it was even outside of supermarkets or uh, on the street, like you saw in the documentary, um, it was, he said that it, it didn't pay much, but it's kind of like a rite of passage for a lot of Mexican wrestlers. It shows them how to work with a crowd. And, uh, you know, not to mention that, or not to forget to mention that also it was a source of food. You know, sometimes they, he would just get paid in, in food and some of those, uh, uh, Chicharrones, like pork rinds, uh, covered in, uh, slathered in hot sauce, would be his uh, reward for a good match. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I think here, if you did that in the U.S., you'd probably be arrested uh, for having a, a match on the street. I don't know that uh, the, the police here would understand what was going on. Um, I want to ask you about your bandito persona and the mask that you wear, because it's very unique. At least I haven't really seen another mask like it in the way it's styled uh the bottom half where obviously it looks like a something a bandit would wear uh it's not traditional in the sense that the top of your head is not covered we can see your hair who came up with that that mask design and the bandito persona is it something you came up with or something someone else came up with and presented it to you el personaje viene de de la empresa liga elite pero el que me ayudó a hacer mi, mi máscara, mi traje, todo, es mi mascarero Alan Reyes. Él me ayudó, un buen amigo, 
desde que, desde que empecé esta carrera como bandido, él ha estado ahí y es la persona que me ha ayudado a crear y a confeccionar este, este, esta otra vida que, que se llama bandido. So essentially the, uh, the uh, initial idea came from the, this uh, company called Elite Wrestling, but um, Alan Reyes, he says he credits for most of the help with the design of the mask, making it really stand out amongst others and the development of his persona because through the design making, he just was able to kind of jump more into this, uh, this world of being Bandito. Now, because your nose and mouth is covered, is it, is it hard to breathe? Uh, in, the, in the bandito mask more than say if you were wearing a more traditional mask I think uh, it's correct because uh, I can take my breath like my normal breath like a horus or like a mask a flamida mask you know they, they have like a mouth and nose outside to the uh, to the mask uh, so for me it's very difficult and I need to take more uh, breath condition for uh, putting my mask on my head. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to ask you also about your finisher, the 21 Plex, because every year, uh, Ring of Honor, at the end of the calendar year, we have fans vote on awards in various yeah, I love the fans for that. <laughs> yes, two years in a row. Two years yeah. in a row, 21 Plex was voted the best finisher uh, in, in Ring of Honor. So I want to ask you, how did you come up with that finisher how did you develop it it's not i haven't really seen anything like it it's pretty unique bueno yo lo empecé a hacer como solo por, porque yo lo yo me lo que yo quería un movimiento que fuera único y no tenía en ese momento nada solo estaba entrenando en el ring ahí en el contra el último guerrero y se me ocurrió vino a mí la idea entonces lo empecé a practicar, lo empecé a practicar, pero solamente practicaba como el rebote, el rebound, pero nunca el, el, el suplex. Entonces este, yo empecé a ver un poco de, de wrestling, de lucha americana, y fue ahí donde me di cuenta que podía combinarlo con, con un suplex alemán. De ahí, de ahí proviene el 21 Plex. So essentially, he this was when he was training with Ultimo Guerrero. He wanted a finisher that stood out, that was unique, that wasn't something that a lot of other people were using. And so he had started to do the rebound part where he jumps over onto the apron. But he, uh, he was only working on that. And then actually, while watching American wrestling, he started to see a lot more uh, German suplexes. And that's when it clicked. Like, let me put these two together. Let me put my rebound together with the German suplex. And, and here we are now. Yes, who knows? Maybe there will be a 21-plex in Rusha's future uh, six days from now on Sunday. I want I want amigo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I think we're, uh, man, we're all looking forward to that. So, all right, well, we're going to take our second break, and then we'll be back with more with Bandito right after this. Let's roll, America. Roll up your sleeves to give blood. You can help save lives of patients that depend on blood every single day. Ring of Honor Wrestling has once again teamed up with American Red Cross for Sinclair Cares Roll Up Your Sleeves. Make an appointment today to donate blood. Your donation will help save lives and impact countless more. Go to SinclairCares.com to schedule your appointment now. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is Bandito. Uh, you became one of, I think, the, like, an overnight success almost because people in America may not have known much about you and then the, the show all in happened and you know this was the biggest independent show ever in America and you weren't just on the show you were in the main event of the show teaming with Rey Mysterio and Ray Phoenix against the Golden Elite which was the Young Bucks and Kota Ibushi so what is the story of you getting that main event spot? How did that come about, that you were booked on the show and booked in the main event? Oh, that story is crazy because for me, yo no sabía lo que significaba All In. Yo solamente iba a un evento más de lucha, de, de lucha libre. Entonces, este, un buen amigo que me ha ayudado en toda mi carrera, que considero hermano, que se llama Rob Piper, 
él me ha ayudado muchísimo y él fue quien me ayudó a estar en ese evento. Él me pidió ese día, él me pidió esa fecha, entonces este, yo iba solamente a un, a un evento más de lucha y él me decía, ten, eh, ten en cuenta que es un evento muy grande. Y yo decía, ok, está bien, no hay problema. Y cuando yo veo la magnitud de lo que era All In, Créeme que antes de que yo empezara, a, de, de que subiera al ring, me temblaban mis patitas, pero demasiado. So, essentially, he, he was booked on this show thinking that it was just a regular, everyday, independent booking. He had no idea of the magnitude. And what ended up really happening was uh, a friend of his in, in the business, Rob Viper, was one who put him in contact Uh, and he had, you know, said, hey, this is, you know, this is kind of a big deal. And, and Benito was like, yeah, you know what, uh, it'll be fine. And then when he got there, he started to kind of really take in how big of an opportunity this was going to be for him. Sí, y terminando, terminando mi, mi lucha de All In, ahí cambió mi vida completamente. Mi teléfono no dejaba de sonar, estaba... Eh, siendo tendencia mundial en todas las redes sociales y creo que fue algo increíble para mí. And he just said that it was just an incredible experience that uh, the ending of that night, the ending of that show, uh, his, after that, his phone would not stop running off the hooks. He's seeing himself trending all over the world and it was just a, an immensely surreal moment for him. Yeah, it was. I think, uh, again, for wrestling fans in America who maybe didn't know much about bandito or didn't know him at all i think suddenly yeah it's like who is this guy and and then you quickly became one of the hottest free agents and uh, i want to talk about that in a second but first i want to ask you about teaming with ray mysterio what was that like for a young guy like you to be teaming with this guy who is obviously a legendary uh figure in in mexico and has had so much success in the united states what was that like to be in the ring with him as your partner Oh, imagínate, él es, es mi ídolo desde pequeño, es, es como una persona que siempre he idolatrado y he tratado de seguir sus pasos, entonces compartir la esquina con él, sus consejos, desde que estábamos abajo del ring, eh, creo que es una noche inolvidable para mí, es algo que atesoro demasiado en mi vida, y bueno, que, que siempre voy a, voy a recordar con mucho cariño y mucho amor. So, I mean, it's, it's a moment that he's going to treasure forever in his, in his life. You know, he grew up, I mean, being a huge fan, of course, uh, of Rey Mysterio. And he, and he followed his career. And, you know, he hoped to, to one day reach, you know, the, the kind of success that Ray had. And on that night, just sharing the corner, the little bit of advice that Ray would share with him during the match were just uh, moments that he'll treasure forever. And it was just an absolutely unforgettable experience. Now, as far as the match itself goes, uh, I want to pull back the curtain just a little bit and, uh, and talk about sort of the, the, the timing, right? Because as we know, uh, shows, especially pay-per-views, they have a start time and they have an end time and they can't run over. It's not like a TV or a, just a live event where you can go past the time. Show has to be off the air at a certain point. Uh, we know that the main event at All In went on later than it was supposed to. And we only got... <laughs> We only got about 11 or 12 minutes. Uh, but, man, there were so many big spots in that match, and you did so much in those uh, 11 or 12 minutes. But I want to ask you, what was it like for you as a performer and the other guys that were in the match as well, going into it knowing that your time is going to be, I'm sure, much shorter than what it was supposed to be or what you expected it to be? <laughs> Nosotros no teníamos ni idea de que, de que faltaba ese tiempo. Solamente hasta que subimos al ring, cuando subimos al ring, todos empiezan a decir, hey, we don't have time, no time, no time, let's go, let's go. Entonces fue algo increíble porque, bueno, si hubiéramos sacado la lucha como estaba, creo que hubiera sido algo increíble. Pero tuvimos que recortar todo, tuvimos que hacer algo eh, fuera de lo común y y ajustarla en el tiempo que teníamos este, libre, que teníamos todavía al aire para, para poder terminar ese evento. Y de todos modos, creo que la gente salió con, con, un, con algo, un buen sabor de boca de esa lucha. So they didn't find out until they actually hit the ring 
that they only had uh, a couple, you know, they were cut short. And he thinks that the, the original plan would have been fantastic, but he credits everybody there for being able to really just change on the, on the fly at the last minute, uh, cut out a lot, of, a lot of the spots they wanted to go through, but that at the end of the day, that they, it, was, it was just incredible and that he, he wouldn't really change anything right now because uh, it just came off perfectly. Well, let me ask you this. Was it uh, nerve-wracking uh, to be in the ring and finding out, hey, your, your time's been cut in half or in a, whatever it was, how much ever, probably more than half. Um, was there a sense of, was anyone nervous about it? Or was it just like, no, let's just get, you know, we got to do it and, and just go? Rich, can you help me? Sí, quiero saber si había un poco de ansiedad eh, cuando está, estuvieron en el ring ahí y cuando oyeron que ya no tenía tiempo y que tenía que cortar muchas cosas, ¿había ansiedad o, o había como un sentido de que todo el mundo estaba calmado y que sabían lo que iban a hacer? Sí, no, había demasiada ansiedad y luego este, cuando, no, no recuerdo si fue Nico o Matt que me daban un antebrazo, mi hombro se, se luxó, tenía yo la, el hombro salido. Entonces... Aparte de que teníamos ansiedad, mi hombro estaba afuera, estaba afuera de su lugar. Yo tenía muchísimo dolor, más sin embargo todavía teníamos que seguir la lucha. Entonces era combatir contra la ansiedad y aparte contra el dolor que yo tenía en mi hombro porque no podía levantar mi brazo, ni siquiera. So not only was he battling anxiety during this whole time, but during a, an exchange where he got clotheslined, his shoulder actually came out of the socket. So he had to wrestle most of the match with the anxiety of having to cut the match and with the pain of the, of the dislocated shoulder throughout the match. Wow. Wow. Yeah. No, no pressure, I'm sure. What's that happening? <laughs> well, you alluded to this a uh, few minutes ago, and it's that, you know, after that match, everyone knew Bandito, and you literally became the most wanted. Uh, everybody yeah. wanted you on their shows. and. Uh, it was just a few months later that I know you had an offer from Ring of Honor, uh, WWE made an offer, and I guess AEW, they were, I don't know if they had fully formed yet, but basically everybody wanted Bandito in their promotion. You ultimately yeah. decided to sign with Ring of Honor. What went into that decision? Why Ring of Honor? Ring of Honor, porque ellos fueron los que me trataron mejor. En la negociación, los que pudieron hablar claramente conmigo, entonces ellos también me dieron la oportunidad de seguir trabajando con, con PWG, que me encanta estar trabajando en PWG. Entonces, todos esos factores fueron los que influyeron para que yo estuviera contento y feliz de pertenecer a Ring of Honor. Y no me que yo estoy feliz con toda la fanaticada, con todo el público y con Ring of Honor. So essentially, he says that during the negotiations process, he felt most comfortable speaking with the Ring of Honor. He, feel, he felt like it was the, the clearest and most uh, transparent of the negotiations that he was going through. He also felt just supported. And the opportunity to continue wrestling for companies like PWG was something that was important to him. So that freedom that he was given as well uh, were big factors in him signing. And he, looking back on it, he did not make a mistake. He is, he's totally happy with the company, the, the locker room, the fans, uh, the Honor Nation. Everything together makes him realize that this was the best decision for him. Well, I, I speak for, I think, everyone at Ring of Honor and for the fans in saying that we are very, very pleased that you chose Ring of Honor and that you re-signed with Ring of Honor and, uh, and that you're still here. And, uh, and look, in the main event, and the main event of Best in the World. Yeah, the main event for the champion. For the championship, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. This is your first shot at the World Championship in Ring of Honor, but so obviously I think it's long overdue, but definitely something that people have been clamoring for is for you to be in a spot like this. And uh, so, you know, anybody who's on the fence about, about best in the world, uh, get off the fence and uh, call your pay-per-view provider, go to ring of honors website, the honor club and, and sign up because, uh, and this is a match I wouldn't miss for anything. Uh, but you mentioned ring of honors locker room and everything else. There's so much talent in ring of honor. And one of the things I think that's cool is we've got guys with all different kinds of styles. 
We've got Lucha, Strong Style. We've yeah. got Pure Wrestling, the Technicians. We've got uh, some uh, European-type uh, style. What is it like for you as a performer to get to work with all different kinds of style wrestlers? Rich, can you help me, please? Sí. Eh, lo que quieres saber es que el, tenemos eh, mucho talento, ¿verdad? En los festivales ahí de, de Ring of Honor, pero también lo que tenemos es variedades de estilos. Tenemos estilos como Strong Style, tenemos el puro estilo, tenemos eh, luchadores como ustedes. ¿Cómo encuentras poder trabajar con tantos diferentes estilos como en, en el ring, en el, en el ROH? Creo que eso es lo que hace diferente de todas las empresas y lo que hace la esencia de Ring of Honor, combinar el estilo pure, combinar los high flyers, combinar uh, todos los estilos que, que manejamos los diferentes este, luchadores que pertenecemos a Ring of Honor, es algo que, que le estamos dando nuevo a, a toda la, la fanaticada del wrestling, entonces creo que todo va adaptándose poco a poco y va encajando a la perfección. So he said that essentially he finds one of the most exciting things to be about Ring of Honor is this essence of this mixture of styles. It keeps him on his toes. He's able to uh, really show himself to the American audience in a, in a brand new way. And it's something that makes Ring of Honor stand out from other companies because of this mix of styles. Absolutely. I, I, I can let me, let me ask you about um, the pandemic. Right, because I don't think we can get through uh, the podcast without mentioning uh, how wrestling and everything was affected last year. Uh, you were out of action, I believe, again, if my research is correct, you had to take about six months off from, from wrestling because of the pandemic. Uh, what did you do during that time away from the ring? I do a lot of things. Empecé a trabajar en mi personaje, empecé a a plantear, creo que hice demasiadas cosas, eh, también me cuidé muchísimo y de, de tanto cuidarme y de tratar de estar en forma, eh, me contagié, salí adelante del COVID y bueno, creo que poco a poco se ha ido saliendo de esta situación. So he spent a lot of time working on his, his overall persona, uh, spending more time on social media and kind of developing that side of himself and being able to connect with the fans in that way as well because he was limited to the, his ability to be in the ring. Um, although it, it greatly impacted him, uh, he did do a lot of training and he was constantly trying to stay in shape as best as possible with his limited uh, ability to kind of for long workouts and things like that. And he feels that he came out of it the entire experience better. Um, because of the, the work he was able to do on his persona and connecting with the fans that way, and then still staying in, uh, in ring shape. Obviously, as we've seen him return, uh, it seems that uh, the exercise and uh, the time away was uh, well spent. So when Ring of Honor was finally able to start doing shows again, uh, we had to do uh, empty arena uh, shows, and we had to have the talent in a bubble, as we call it. What was your experience like as far as being in the bubble uh, and wrestling in front of no fans? Bueno, para el Ring of Honor Bubble, para mí fue increíble porque pude compartir con ustedes un poco con toda la, con toda la nación de honor, muchísimas cosas que hacía yo en mi día con día. Y luchar sin gente fue una, es una experiencia nueva que poco a poco he ido adaptándome y mejorando. Porque créeme que nosotros los luchadores nos debemos al público, entonces luchar sin gente ha sido difícil, pero con el tiempo nos hemos adaptado y creo que hemos ido mejorando para dar un buen espectáculo. So he found that the bubble experience was really fun, actually, and in interacting on social media and talking about his day to day and what he was doing during the bubble. So he, he actually enjoyed that bubbling process, uh, as it were. And uh, in terms of, of wrestling in front of, uh, you know, an arena with empty or an empty arena with no fans, he said that it, it was difficult at first, but they started to adapt to it. You know, I mean, wrestlers luchadors we were they rely on on the public you know on 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 the reactions so uh, getting over that was a little bit difficult but he feels that uh really the entire roster has adapted very well and now i mean we can see it in the product that it really became uh you know appointment viewing how much are you looking forward to six days from now 
you will come at, you'll hear your music hit in Baltimore, best in the world. And this time, for the first time in a long time at a Ring of Honor show, you will come out and there will be thousands of, of fans there. Uh, what, what is that? Have, have you thought about what that moment's going to be like? Me siento muy nervioso y a la vez feliz. A la vez feliz porque hemos, he estado esperando este momento desde que empecé mi historia en Ring of Honor. Tengo por fin la oportunidad por el campeonato de Ring of Honor. Entonces, es algo, algo increíble. Algo que, que voy a disfrutar mucho y que quiero que, que todo México esté ahí viéndonos y que todo el público que va a estar ese día, que ya va a haber gente que lo esté disfrutando tanto como yo lo voy a hacer. So he's, he's, a, he's very excited and at the same time he's very nervous. You know, it's, it's a huge opportunity for him and the magnitude of the fans returning uh, makes it that much more exciting though. And he's, he's ready to be in front of the crowd again, have that rewarding experience. He hopes that, uh, you know, as many Mexican wrestling fans and, and ROH fans, Honor Nation are there to support him and that he, he really is expecting to thrive off this energy in this uh, fantastic opportunity. Well, I don't think you'll have to worry about the, the reaction of the fans. I think the fans are going to be fired up. It's been so long, way too long, 18 months since we've had a crowd in front of a Ring of Honor show. Um, it's a stacked card from top to bottom and topped by Roosh versus Bandito for the Ring of Honor World Championship. What more could you ask for than that? So, uh, again, I know I, you're excited. I'm excited. The fans are excited. So we're just yeah. counting, down, counting down those days. All right, well, we're going to take our final break here, and then when we come back, we're going to play 10 questions with Bandito. Want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors? Want to see exclusive brand-new matches? Want to learn about breaking news before anyone else? Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash ring of honor. Stay informed on the best wrestling on the planet. I'll see you there. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. It's time now to play a little game we like to call 10 Questions. Bandito, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. All right, question number one. What's something on your bucket list? Are you familiar um, with the bucket list term? Oh, my bucket list? Si hay algo que, que quieres como completar en tu vida antes que te mueras, eh, en, en, en los Estados Unidos se llaman bucket list, es que como okay. cosas que quieres cumplir antes que ya te, te vas de aquí. Uh, I want to be the best wrestler in the world. That's a good one. I think you're on your way. That's a good one. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Question number two. What's a subject that you'd like to know more about? Rich, can you help me? Hay un sujeto que te gustaría, un tema que te gustaría saber más sobre eso. Un tema? Sí. Un tema que me gustaría saber más. Yo pienso que... Me gustaría saber más sobre... Sobre lucha, sobre wrestling. I think so, yeah. More and more. So more and more about wrestling. He likes. He wants to. He wants to keep learning more and more about the sport that he loves. Ah, well, hey, all the great ones know that. That no matter how great you are, you never stop learning. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Question number three: If you could have a conversation with any celebrity or historical figure, living or dead, who would it be? Who would you love to sit down and talk to? Ajá, ¿con, ¿con quién me gustaría hablar? Sí, exactamente, vivo o muerto, no importa si es, eh, tú sabes, alguien vivo o muerto que te gustaría charlar con ellos. Híjole, me gustaría conocer y hablar con Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I understood that one, the Prince of Pop, yeah. Michael Jackson. Uh... <laughs> 
All right, question number four. Yeah.、Uh, what is your favorite food when you cheat on your diet? What's your what's your what's your favorite cheat food? So when you're going to eat poorly,、uh, what would you eat? Ah,、uh, my favorite food for cheat food is like ah、uh, no. I think it's like a hamburger,、mm. big, big hamburger. Yeah. Oh, that's a good cheat food, you know. What、yeah. I, was told, I was told once that if you take the bun off and just eat the burger, that it's not really that bad for you. It's the bun that's bad for you. <laughs> that's what I was. Yeah,、thinking. it's the burger. And when I comes to、uh, Baltimore, I really love chipotle. Yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> chipotle. Well, you know, Baltimore is big for crabs. Have you have you tried crab cakes or crabs? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh I want. Okay. All right, we could set. Maybe we could set that up. All right, okay, question, let's let's put it this way: If you win the world championship in Baltimore, maybe maybe crabs, maybe a, a crab dinner celebration, crab cakes on the on the house for you. Maybe we'll see. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Vivo. <laughs> All right, question number five: Do、mm-hmm. you have any hidden talents? Is there something you're good at that we don't know about? Win、um, win. Okay, okay, okay. Ah,、uh, I really love dance. Yeah, I like. I、yeah. heard that you're a singer. Is that true? Singer? Yeah. <laughs> Always.、Uh, siempre estoy cantando, pero no soy bueno. So he he's being very humble here. He says that he's always singing, but he doesn't think he's very good. <laughs> okay. Well, I, w- I was going to put you on the spot and say to sing a few.、Uh, <laughs> Verses for us from your favorite song, but I, unless you want to do that, okay, let's do that. <laughs> okay, the floor is yours. What would you like? Sing us a song.、Um, ¿Cuál canción me gusta, Rich? Sí, cuál, él, él, no, no. Él te está preguntando si tú quieres cantar en este momento, ahorita. Ah,、oh, okay. Me va a extrañar al despertar. En sus paseos por el jardín, cuando la tarde llegue a su fin, me va a extrañar. Yeah. Well, you're not. I'm gonna. I'm, thank you. Thank you. Well, you're not. You're not kidding. You really can sing. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Wow. You might challenge、uh, Joe Hendry for best singer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Question、mm-hmm. number six. This okay. Is, this is an interesting one. Now, have you ever had a paranormal experience? <clears throat> oh my God! No, 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 no. Esto me da muchísimo miedo. La verdad es que soy muy miedoso. No me gusta estar con la luz apagada. No,、eh, no veo películas de terror. Me asusto muy rápido. Entonces, si si veo algo paranormal, rápido corro. So he will run the other way if there's anything paranormal involved. He does not like horror movies. He does not like spending too much time in the dark. So that is something that he does not like at all, and he'll go the other way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Question number seven: If you hadn't gone into pro wrestling, what do you think you'd be doing for a living? Ooh, good question, amigo. No sé, tal vez. Eh, hubiera dedicado mi tiempo a a estudiar una, la universidad, arquitectura o algo así. So he thinks that he would have gone to、uh, gone to co- college, university, and studied architecture. Oh, okay. Very cool. Thank you, amigo. All right. Question number eight. What is your favorite thing about the U.S.? My favorite thing about the U.S. the wrestling and I, I really love the 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 food for for I don't know I don't know if if is the U.S. but Krakow Barrel you know oh sure yeah yeah I love Krakow Barrel too the food the American food I, I love me gusta mucho entonces creo que、eh, la comida y el wrestling So okay, food, food, food and wrestling. Food and hey, Cracker Barrel and wrestling. I think those two actually go together. They go together pretty well. Question number nine. Other、okay. than yourself, 
Who has the coolest luchador mask in wrestling? Coolest luchador. La máscara oh. ma, ma, más chida que, te, que no, no puedes decir tú mismo. ¿Cuál máscara piensas que es la más bonita, la más chida de todos que no sea tuya? Ahorita, en este momento, híjole. Bueno, pues me gusta mucho la de la máscara de Rey Misterio desde desde pequeño. Ha sido como algo increíble. No, I mean, he really, he just feels like Rey Mysterio's masks have been just something that have been incredible from day one. Yeah, Rey has had some cool masks, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Question number 10, our final question of 10 questions. What's the best advice that you've been given about the wrestling business and who gave it to you? Uh, Rich, can you help me? Sí, eh, ¿cuál es el consejo mejor que oíste sobre la lucha libre y quién te lo dio? Wow, good question. Consejo mejor que de la lucha libre. Oh. Yo creo que el consejo fue que me dijeron que si ya me iba a regresar a mi a mi ciudad defraudado de la lucha porque yo no podía yo no todavía no era luchador entonces era muy difícil para mí y yo ya quería regresarme tirar la toalla entonces el consejo que me dieron era si tú si tú te regresas ahora a tu ciudad vas a regresar como un perdedor Pregúntate si realmente eres eso. Y creo que esas palabras siempre las llevo, las llevo en mi mente y me lo dio Último Guerrero. So Último Guerrero was the person who gave him the best advice and it was when he was really thinking about throwing the towel and he was thinking about going back home. And uh, this is where Pedro comes back up, Kev. Um, he says that Ultima Guerrero said, listen, if you go home, everybody's going to know that you're just this, this dog who gave up and lost, and they're not going to have any respect for you. And that kind of drove him forever, that he had to keep pushing himself over, and uh, just he couldn't go back home like a dog with his tail between his legs and instead needed to rise to the occasion and meet the challenge. Ah. Well, this is perfect. It all comes full circle back to the very first... Uh question which was about Pero so it all works out this is how we, we kind of bookend the, the podcast with, with Pero that's great uh, Bandito man I really appreciate you uh, giving me so much of your time today Rich you as well uh, I want to thank you no, both no. for being here thank you very much thank you very much Rich de nada gracias Bandito before I let you go where can fans follow you on social media yeah please follow me Bandido Wrestler in, on Instagram and Twitter and Bandido Gutierrez or Bandido Luchador in, in Facebook. And amigos, see you in a couple of days, okay? Absolutely. We'll see you in Baltimore at Best in the World. And uh, best of luck to you on bringing home that world championship. Yeah, thank you very much. And don't forget, bandidos como bandidos. All right. And hey, I want to thank everybody out there for listening and remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast Drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked on to ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels, at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying, stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.